Welcome to Toothpaste, the podcast, the other side of dentistry. There are two sides to our great profession. On one side, we have financial independence and personal fulfillment. On the other side, we have financial hardship, depression, and burnout. Why do some dentists thrive in this profession and others struggle to get out of bed in the morning? That is exactly what we are trying to find out. We don't claim to have all the answers, but we talk to some really smart people that can give you some insights on how to thrive in dentistry and life. Thank you for listening. And now for our hosts, Dr. Jessica Gall and Dr. Vincent Buscemi. In, in the U.S. military, the Army and the Air Force. But when I was okay. in private practice, I was in two different locations. One was a small rural practice, and then the other one was actually joining my brother, who's a dentist, in a, okay. in a suburban practice. So the, the small rural practice was in the middle of, of Missouri, in okay. mid-Missouri. And then I joined my brother uh, in, on the Illinois side, but just outside of St. Louis, which is where we're oh, from. Nice. Okay. You're from St. Louis? Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Where'd you go to dental school? Southern Illinois University. Okay. St. Louis is a cool town. Is that Champaign? You know, am I wrong on that? Or is there another Illinois dental school? Uh, well, the Southern Illinois University system has multiple campuses. Okay. Um, University of Illinois. UIC, right? Yeah. That was a dental. That's not it where is, you went. That's not where I went. Okay. But Do they still have a dental school at UIC? UIC, I think so. Northwestern closed. I Somebody closed theirs. I don't I don't think UIC does. I don't think oh, so really? either. They yeah. did when I was applying to school. That was only did they? 15 years ago. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think they did. Right? Yeah. How do you close down? Isn't like every kid dying to get into school and give you $500 million for four years of school? I, I mean, that's what I'm shocked by is the number of schools that are coming online. I mean, we were just looking at the, like every time I turn around, there's a new school and there's like, hey, a have you heard school? about, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, no, never, never heard of that one. Because the guy I, from Heartland, Rick Workman, yep. just opened a school in North Point in North Carolina. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's, that's I know. good for you, though. More I know, dentists. I, 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 I know of, I don't know Dr. Workman personally, but I, I have family that grew up in the small Illinois town where he's from. Okay. So um, I, I know of him well and the yeah. impact and footprint that he's got in that region. You know, I think he's a billionaire. I think he's the only, surprise me. other than me, dentist billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're rolling. Well then, well, then you and I need to become good friends. Yeah, if I don't have any friends. If, if, if you've reached the billionaire status. Yeah, I'm, a, I, I'm almost in the opposite. I have a negative in front of it. So much <laughs> I saw your financial planner the other night. Did he have my $43? I asked him about it. He's like, <laughs> he's like it's like 47 now. You know? Killing it. <laughs> so Brent Martin? Yes. Okay. Well, welcome to Toothpaste the Podcast. Oh, we really appreciate you coming on. We're on episode 44 already. Wow. Um, we have 3,000 subscribers on YouTube, all of them fake. So nobody's listening to this. <laughs> so you can say anything you want. Curse, um, of, the, curse of the bots, huh? So the bots uh, have yeah. you too? Yeah, they have us too. Yeah, the Chinese bots. But you are the partner of a previous podcast guest, Brent. And I always say his last name wrong. A curso? A curso. A curso. Correct, yeah. How'd you guys meet? We actually met in residency. You did? Yeah. And where was, was that at? Ohio State University. Ohio State. Okay. Yeah. I, I say the Ohio State. Since he's a Michigan boy, he can't bring himself to saying the Ohio State. So yeah. It's always Ohio State. Uh, I will say for those in Michigan, I've got a daughter that's going to school at University of Michigan, Dearborn. So I, I at least uh, have a little bit of cred with the Michigan folks, uh, yeah. even though you know I'm Ohio State uh, grad from from uh, from my residency program. Okay. Uh, but we met there, and uh, he was a... Even though he's younger than me, I, I, I had a, 
um, circuitous route to get to pathology. And uh, so I went later in life and he was the chief resident um, whenever I was uh, coming in. Okay. So we always, we asked him to, you just had it enough of general dentistry and you wanted to do oral, or did you like grow up? You're like, no. one day I'm going to be an oral pathologist because that's my no. dream. Neither. No, when I left dental school, if you had asked me what two specialties would I not do? <laughs> The first, the first was pediatric dentistry, which is true to this day. Yeah. Uh, the second was, was oral pathology. Okay. And, and for me, you know, I, I started out uh, as a dental lab technician, so I've got a degree in dental lab technology. And so I, 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 you know, I guess looking back, I found comfort in the laboratory environment. I'm like, I'm okay being by myself. I've got a, a task focused job with laboratory technology or even histopathology now. I mean, they're very similar in, in that regard. And, uh, and, and I just think, uh, well, so it was the thing that I least wanted to do, but over the course of my career, as I went through the military services, military services, but at the time the army, and then went into private practice, I realized I was trying different locations with the same job. And I came to realize it was not the location that I was practicing. That was the issue. It was the job that was the issue. What about the job was the issue? The people. The, the people. It's the people. There's yeah. no doubt. Did you like dental school? Uh, I, yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I like dental I, school. I loved dental school. Um, private practice was nothing like dental school for me. I was alone. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that's interesting. You so which, from, which people was it? The patients. The, the patients or the... <laughs> no, it's patients. It's a patient. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no doubt about it. And, and, and uh, I always say that I had patients that I looked forward to seeing. Like, oh, yeah. I, I'm, I, th- I think I'm a natural introvert, but, but certainly I can, you put me in a social place and I can, I can talk and carry on a conversation and look forward to seeing people. You know, I'm not antisocial, but, but I'm certainly comfortable being by myself. But you put me in the setting with patients and like there's people that I look forward to seeing. Um, but seeing people, and this might sound bad, but seeing people like that doesn't build me up. My wife is very social and she needs interaction to build herself up. Yeah, It makes her feel good. It gives her whatever it does to fill her sales. It, that doesn't do it for me, but seeing the negative patient absolutely flattens my sales. You know, it just negatively impacts me. And so when I would go to bed the night before and I knew whoever was on that schedule the next day and it was going to be a struggle, a battle, a complaint or whatever it is, it just, it just took it out of me. And after doing the job for nine years in the army and two different private practices, I came on one day and, and, and we were finally at home where both my wife and I are from. I mean, we met in high school and I came home and said, Diane, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I've got to do something else. I don't know what that is. Um, to which, you know, she, she now would say that she was about in tears, although she held it together because she's like, after moving, you know, around right. the world, literally, I mean, we lived in Germany and, but after finally getting home and getting settled, she's like, I, I, you know, didn't want to do it, but, um, so how old were you when you, you said you probably like 33 or four when you said that? Yeah. I mean, we got married at 25, which was right about when I started and I was in for nine years. So I was older than that, uh, 34, probably 34. Do you, yeah, do you feel like that, Vince? Like you're like your the patients that are positive are don't really have an effect on you, but the negative ones. I also the you? the negative ones, like you're saying, like defeat me. I had to stop looking at my schedule. I the never day looked before. at my schedule. I would have anxiety. Yeah. Like, oh my yeah. god, this person's coming in. You know, you did a crown, feels a little uncomfortable. They're mad now. They might need a root canal, and they're like, well, why didn't you do the root canal for? And like, you worry about that all night. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. And one of the interesting things about our field of oral pathology is that if you apply to any other specialty and say, I don't, I'm coming to your specialty because I don't like general dentistry, you will stand a chance. There's no program that's going to take you. Uh, and I don't think that that's right necessarily because you could love being an endodontist and hate general dentistry, but it doesn't matter if you say it, you're done. That is not the case in pathology because it is a refuge Yeah, for people that have given dentistry a shot and it just doesn't work for them. And so that is not a negative uh, when you're applying to oral pathology. I've never I think heard that very before. Have you heard that? That like if I try to apply to oral surgery now with, I'm 35 and I said, I hate general dentistry. Like it's a red flag. It makes sense. Yeah. Right? I've never heard that. It, it does make sense. I feel like, um, I mean, you could say I'm bored with general dentistry, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what they're looking for. Yeah. You know, um, I, I think if you came from the standpoint of I'm bored because I feel like I've done everything I can do to, yeah. you know, whether that's true or not, I, I would think that if you came from that standpoint, it's good. But, but people in specialty programs, it's, it's certainly, it's certainly my belief and may not be across the board, but it's my impression that they look at you as using, choosing their specialty, not because you want to do it, but because you're trying to escape something. Okay. Mm. And, yeah. and, and, and I, that's the viewpoint. And I think in many ways that that's probably accurate. That's a good way to look at life too. And, and yeah, I, I, yeah, definitely in pathology though, it's like, cause most of us that are here are like, we understand. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, we definitely understand you're trying to escape it. Great. Because I did it and I didn't like it either. Do you think most um, oral pathologists practice general dentistry first, is or is that a requirement? It's not a requirement. Okay. Uh, most do. Okay. And a number of us come to it later in life. Okay. Um, I, mine was nine years, but we know folks that have been the better part of a couple decades before they finally d- do it. Um, most most do practice, and in fact, we actually, if somebody, w- w- if I was giving counsel to somebody that wanted to do oral pathology, I would say go do dentistry first and decide if you like it or not, Mm -hmm. because you might absolutely love it. And if you love it, then great. You know, you should do it. There's, I love my job of oral pathology, but one is not for everybody. Two jobs are hard to come by. And three, it is a big detour in life. If you decide that you don't don't want to do it. Yeah. How did you handle it? Cause how many kids do you have? Two, two. So you're 34. Yeah, your kids are on hold there, but and you tell your wife I have to go back to school for three years. Financially, that's a huge hit, unless she's already a billionaire at the time. Yeah, we don't have your kind of money, sure. so <laughs> so we aren't a billionaire. But um, so my plan was because I was in practice with my brother, who's a dentist in O'Fallon, Illinois, just outside of Skyd Air Force Base. And so even though the military didn't work for me, it was an escape route for me. So my plan was to go into the uh, Air Force, return to the Air Force as a general dentist, figure out what I wanted to do in life, because at least that was an, at least it was a paycheck. Mm-hmm. My thought was we could stay around home uh, until I figured out what I wanted to do when I grew up. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, life is funny the way it works out. Um, certain doors open, certain doors closed. And even though I was coming from the private sector, I found out that the Air Force needed to train an oral pathologist. Now in the military, it's hard to get training in the military if you are not on active duty serving because they want to take care of their own, which certainly makes sense, right? You give us some time, we'll reward you with a, with, with a residency, except because oral pathology is not sought after. For whatever reason, the Air Force was having a hard time filling the slot. And so they said, you could, you could probably apply if you wanted to. And, uh, Again, without going into great detail, it's it's probably the first time in my life that I really felt some doors were opening and some doors were closing, mm-hmm. like actively closing. Like 
I thought I was going to be able to join the Air Force as a direct accession. Yeah. That door shut. It's like, you can't do it. We're not taking on any more direct accessions this year. And so, what's a direct accession? Well, uh, a direct accession would be, you know, me coming as, in as a general dentist uh, directly into because they've got spots that need to be filled. You know, it, when you're in a big organization like that, mm-hmm. they have all sorts of manning documents that project out need. And sometimes they fill those documents, those, those manning needs completely. And so there's no more room for anybody else to come in. Like they fill them internally. Internally in or with okay. scholarship. Yeah, with, with scholarships, like they project years out. How many people are we going to need? Because we, we, we expect these many retirements or these many people to separate. And so they, they plan years out. And sometimes they hit the mark. Sometimes they're over on the mark. Sometimes they're under on the mark. And so the thought at the time was, there's going to be room for me. I can just slide right in and join the Air Force. My, my prior service time had up to that point been in the Army. And so, do they recognize that? Like the Air Force has a okay, at least he was in some armed force before. <laughs> uh, now that's a service issue. You know, the Air Force might not recognize the the Army because, uh, of course, t- tongue in cheek here, yeah. right? Like the 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 inter service uh, uh, um, uh, uh, s- struggles or. Uh, competition between the services mm-hmm. i guess i guess that's what i'm looking for okay uh, but uh th- they absolutely would recognize that i had been in the army okay uh, the the value of that to them i, I guess that I guess blows my mind because you're still fighting for your country oh yeah i mean i, I am saying this mostly yeah. tongue-in-cheek you know it, it's it, it it's mostly tongue-in-cheek but there's a lot of rivalry amongst the the branches i've okay. heard that yeah yeah I've heard and that before. and in the end everybody knows you got to have the sea. You got to have the land. You got to have the air. I mean, everybody knows that in the end, but it Didn't doesn't change. Did you see a few good men? <laughs> I have Remember? not. What? Okay. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> I have not seen the you, movie. That's you have to see that this weekend. Okay. That's such a good movie. It's a good one. But it's all about the you know the Marines and the Navy. Even though Navy is a branch of the. Isn't that Marines no, that... is a branch of the Navy? Yeah, because Marines is also water. Is that right? Marines fall. Uh, yeah, that's a okay. branch. That's the one branch I haven't served in. But it, like things like medical support for so the Marines are a branch of the Navy. Although I don't fully understand the dynamic. Me but like, neither. But like medical support and those things are offered up to the Marines by the Navy. And yeah. So there's absolutely legal services. Yeah. There, I mean, there's absolutely a re- relationship between You'll the learn two. You'll that but, in the movie. But Army, Air Force, Navy, and Marines are often talked about separately. But there's certainly a relationship to which I couldn't speak to the to the full integration between the the marines and the navy right right yeah so did you get your training in the air force then for yeah yeah okay so i was a scholarship recipient with the army for dental school for a couple years and then i got my then i got my training uh through the air force uh, at 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 ohio state with the air force and so i I guess i sort of got off track uh with 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 my you know, doors opening, doors closing. So the door opened for oral pathology training with, with the Air Force. So I returned to the Air Force um, at Ohio State. Like when I drove to Ohio State and showed up and went to the program, um, I stopped at the ROTC office and I signed my name on the dotted line to join the Air Force again. So okay. at the time I was a resident at Ohio State. I also was a Air Force service member. Did the Air Force then pay you a stipend to be? They did. I was a best paid resident. Okay. Because I got not not just a stipend. I returned to active duty. Okay. And so I was paid as a major 04. So that must have helped you a lot with supporting your family during the time you were in residency. So I'm very fortunate. I would not have been able to uh, take the route that I took were it not for uh, uh, military service, but both the army. You know, I did my time in the army. Yeah. I left the army and I'm very appreciative for those years, but I was, I was ready to be done. Yeah. 
and uh, but it but it offered scholarship. It offered me avoiding debt. And then the same thing holds true with the Air Force. I could not have come on board with the Air Force were it not for my ability to return to uh, to active duty. Because I just, I mean, I guess I could have taken on the debt that it would have taken uh, to return, but in the end, I wouldn't have most likely. And my wife had been a stay-at-home mom, and okay. she she certainly capable of going into the marketplace, but but. She was a stay-at-home mom, and we it works for our family, and she wanted to continue to do that. So the Air Force was there at the at the right point at the right time, and I'm I am very appreciative of of all of that. I haven't always enjoyed my time, sure, but I'm very appreciative of what what it offered. How old were your kids at the time? Um, uh, f- f- five and. Two, so very Maybe, young. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay. something that young. Yeah. So you, you could kind of, my kids are similar age. You could kind of get away with a lower lifestyle, like spending because they don't really know what yep. five and two. Yep. Yeah, um, but 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 you know, with with the money I was getting paid, we didn't have to change our lifestyle again. It, oh my it gosh, is, it is, nice it is the it is the beauty of returning. I mean, I was paid as an active duty military officer. Yeah, it's my obligation at that time to the service was was training. I mean, it was to go get trained and that's what they paid me to do. And then did you have to go practice oral pathology in the army, uh, yeah. army air force after? Yeah. Okay. I, I ended up being in for seven years before separating to come up here and join Brent. Seven years. Okay. So that's significant. Yeah. My total active duty years were 13 years in total. Okay. And I still remain out at, well, I'm, I'm transitioning, but I have been at Selfridge Air Force Base in the Michigan Air National Guard up until this point. And now I'm, I'm transferring to the Air Force Reserves down okay. in Youngstown, Ohio is the plan. Okay. Where do you live around here? Do you live in? Rochester Hills. You live, okay, oh. so do I. Oh, yeah. probably down this. You want to talk about Crossroads? Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, we live right, uh, uh, do you know where Raintree's at? No. Where's uh, so we live right at the at the corner of Walton and Adams. Oh, oh my gosh. My sister used to live in that neighborhood yeah. on, uh, what was her street? That's a, that's a nice neighborhood. That's right by the CVS, by the Oakland University. By Trader yeah. Joe's. Yeah. 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 I'm at Silverbell and Adams. Okay. We yeah. could have carpooled here. We could have. What are we doing? We wasted yeah. yes. <laughs> Your neighbors. Yeah. Like really close. Small world. And then huh. you got together with Brent, because Brent, you are Brent, but Brent bought, yep. what was the guy's name with practice he bought? Richard Wesley. Wesley. Yeah. Did you buy, he bought the practice first and you bought in after? How Correct. did that work? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was doors opening, doors closing. I, I tell yeah. you, I, there's, there's something to it. And, uh, Brent came down to visit me uh, in San Antonio a few years back. I guess, what was this, 2017, 2018? Michigan played in the Final Four uh, basketball at, at, uh, in San Antonio. I was on active duty down there at uh, San Antonio Military Medical Center. And, uh, and Brent came down and said, hey, um, I'm looking for somebody. You want to come join me? And I'm like, no. I, I'm, I'm good, Brent. Thanks. I mean, I, I've got... I've got seven years to go to get a 20 year pension, um, which is, you know, it's great. And I was on, on the trajectory and I said, thanks for the offer. I really appreciate it. And so he left and, you know, with a six week window after he came down and talked about that, I found out that there were some pretty substantial changes coming to military healthcare. Um, and the military has defense health health agency, uh, basically has, has decided. And I think this is accurate to say they've decided that if you don't deploy, you don't need to wear the uniform. And oh wow! And what I mean by that is, I'm I'm never going to deploy as an oral pathologist. 
Like you don't need me five kilometers behind right. the front lines. <laughs> Diagnosing oral cancer. Yeah, it, right. It's just not, there's, there's not a role for it. And I, I don't think that that's unreasonable. Like if that's your position, I don't think that's unreasonable. But it left people like me that are mid to late career in possibly a difficult position depending on how fast that comes down, meaning my job could go away or I could be pulled out. Of, I was almost certainly going to be pulled out of my job to do something else. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute. I spent nine years as a general dentist took a big leap, finally found what I really want to do. You trained me for this. Let me do my job. Don't pull me out. But that's what they were going to do. And then that would affect your pension. I mean, well, I, could, I, I still could have got a pension. When okay. I say pull me out, they would have pulled me out from sitting behind a microscope to go be a dental clinic commander, mm-hmm. for example, which is okay. what I think was coming for me within the next six months. So back months to, to general year. dentistry. Essentially, back to, back to general dentistry, okay. where I would probably be forced to do general dentistry. And yeah. you so say forced, like you go back to prison. I mean, uh, how, uh, yeah. I mean, I would say, I would say exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. so funny. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and then you'd be overseas. You'd be deployed. Well, uh, no. I mean, I could have been a dental. I would most likely been a dental clinic commander at one of the small installations around okay. the U.S. Okay. Or potentially over there, but. Uh, but but what I what I mean by that, and I'm sorry because I can see how what I said was was confusing. But I could potentially be pulled out and be deployed as a dentist. Okay. Right, because I am a dentist at the end of the day. I could yeah. be deployed as a dentist. But if my job, if my primary job is being an oral pathologist, they're not going to deploy me as an oral pathologist. Okay. And so what Defense Health Agency has done is they've looked and they said, let's go back and look at you know the the, the retirement costs are unsustainable when when you pay somebody to retire after twenty four years and pay them for the remainder of their life, which can be forty or fifty years with longevity. It's like this this is unsustainable. The cost of personnel. And so what can we do to uh, to mitigate those costs. And that is we can look at everybody and say, if you don't have to wear a uniform to do your job, do you need to be wearing a uniform? You know? Um, and I think their decision is probably pretty clear that the answer is no. And they have started and I think will continue to remove those jobs. Uh, um, but again, if you don't deploy in your primary job, you're probably not going to be wearing a uniform anymore. That transition might take five years. It might take 10 years. I don't that know. That makes sense, though. I mean, I don't think it's unreasonable. I mean, yeah. it, 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 it does make sense. But it is just, it's tough for those of us who were in that position. You were already you were Mid already to there. late career. Um, the other thing. That and you're not grandfathered in or anything because they can switch you right. oh, whenever yeah. they want. Yeah, they can do whatever they want with you. That yeah. That's the kicker. That's It's what you give up as an individual when you join the services. They can do with you what they want. The real problem for somebody like me is, is, is this. As an oral pathologist, if you're a dentist, you can go from clinic to clinic and you can you – can, maintain your credentials as a dentist because dentist is dentistry is dentistry. If they put me as an oral pathologist in a small clinic in the middle of nowhere to do dentistry, I lose my credentials as an oral pathologist because I'm no longer practicing as an oral pathologist. Therefore, I risk retiring from the military and not being able to do the job that I trained for because I didn't do it for the last six or seven remaining years of my career because the military said, nope, we don't need you to do that anymore. We need you to do this for us now. And it's just something I was unwilling to do. Sadly, I was was unwilling to do it because, um, because that was my plan all along. So did they eliminate your job? Did they? No, they, not yet. yet. Okay. But it's but it's coming. It's coming. I mean, yeah. I, I think it's coming. I, I don't think there's any question that it's that it's coming. But but I see. I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. And, and this is what I'm talking about: doors opening, doors closing. I mean, I told Brent no. I was very very clear. I called him six weeks later, and I said, 
Brent, have you hired anybody? Hey, yet? Brent. Yeah. But you know what? When things happen like that, I I firmly believe in this. It's like the seed is planted. You know, it was in your brain, obviously. Yeah. So you were you were considering it, even though you said no. It was it wasn't really <laughs> no. Do you feel like I feel like that a lot? Oh. Um, you know, sometimes someone will mention something, yeah. and it's like, no, I'm not going to do that, and then it's like, well, you know. Then it incubates in your brain, it and then does. something happens. And yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think that's, I think that's true. I mean, I, I, I told him no because the opportunity that was set forth before me, and to get to a twenty year retirement has has been the plan, right? Pretty much all along. You had to deviate. <laughs> I mean, this is not unlike the transition going back. If we can just step back, you know, going back the transition that I took, leaving general dentistry to go into the Air Force to do oral pathology. Right. It was one of those moments where I'm like, hey, you know what? I can't do what I'm doing now, or I'm afraid to continue doing what I'm doing now. I don't really want to make the leap, mm-hmm. but, um, but, but I did because of the opportunities, the doors that opened, the doors that closed. It was the same way leaving active duty military. I mean, I was down there. We were comfortable. We were settled. I knew generally what the remainder of my career looked like. I knew the pension that was awaiting me if I could get to that end point. And to me, I felt like that door closed, that pension retirement door closed. Mm-hmm. But what opened was an opportunity to come up here and join Brent and what is a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a great practice. It's an opportunity that does not present itself very often with the sort of long term established good practice. And it was, it was the opening of the door that needed to take place. It's meant to be. Meant Do to you be. feel like, um, you, once you left dentistry, did you feel like you were instantly happier? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I would say there's no doubt about it. Like you felt lighter immediately. Just. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And how long were you thinking of exiting before you made the move? So I spent three years active duty in the army. I spent a couple years in a small town, rural town in, in, in mid Missouri practicing. And then I joined my bro- my old brother who was a dentist and one of his partners left. And so I, I joined his practice and I thought, you know what? Finally, this is it. Yeah. I'm back close to home. I'm with my brother who's great. I love my brother. I was in practice with him. It was probably a year after I was there that I thought, uh oh. Yeah. You know what? I feel like I'm swimming upstream. It just it's not it's not good for me. And I thought, I can't do this for the next twenty five years. I had the exact same thought. I think I've said that to you. Swimming upstream? Well, I, no, I walked into my office one day and it was like, All right, I'll I'll be happy once I buy this second practice, third practice, this building, I merge and I'm like, okay, I did all those things. And I remember one day I walked out and I said, there's no way I can do this for another 25 years. It was like, there was just, at that point, I was like, I knew I was leaving. I just didn't know how to do it. But it was like, it was seriously the exact same thing you said. It was like, I walked in the door and I was just like, nope. (laughs) Well, Brent, let me ask you this. Uh, Um, I get a phone call maybe once a week from a listener the hate dentistry. Yeah. Um, were you depressed at any time? Were you anxious? What was like for nine, because for nine years you hate this job. What's the internal dialogue you're saying to yourself? Or to, did you hate it for nine years or were you like, it was a slow. I, I had good days. Maybe you didn't hate it, it, it at it, all. It, I mean, well, no, uh, well it remember it's, 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 the, it was the people, you know, the job yeah. itself. Uh, you know, I I think I was a reasonably good dentist. I certainly came from a strong strong background of using my hands in dental lab technology. Like I was mm-hmm. comfortable with the mechanics of it. 
it was the people. And so if I had a day where people came in and they were, they were appreciative, um, again, not that I need somebody to tell me I'm great. I don't mean that, but they saw value in what I did. They knew that I was trying to take care of them at the end of the day. Just all the things as, as humans, we yeah, want, they don't right? Cry. Yeah. I mean, I mean you preach that choir. We totally understand yeah, what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. So that happened. I was happy. But when you weigh all of those out, whether it's over a single day, a single week, a month, a year, nine years, when you weigh it all out, at the end, it was it was more uh, um, deflating for me than it was building me up. And so was I depressed? I, I guess maybe I was. Okay. It's not something I'm, I, 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 don't, I don't know that I'm very easy, easily at diagnosing depression in my sure. self. Yeah. I could yeah. tell you I was really, un, I was really unhappy. My wife would tell you that I was probably not the best husband or dad at times because I was sure. short and frustrated. Although you can put me in front of doing a, a project outside today and she'll probably say the same thing. I'll <laughs> yeah. throw the hammer because I hit my thumb or whatever. But, you know, uh, but I think that that's absolutely true. And I, and I, and I probably was depressed. And do, do you think a lot of people, a lot of dentists feel this way? I, I do. Yeah. I, yeah, I do. I, I think that we get so, there's so much education, so much money, so much input of time that you're done and you're like, you feel stuck. I mean, I, I definitely felt stuck and you know, there's, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but there's a, there's an attorney like in the Chicago area who has a business where she helps former attorneys find new careers. I can't remember the name of it, but it's like, there's probably an opportunity for that in dentistry because the more dentists I talk to, it's like, they, they don't, a lot of them don't really like it, but they feel like they don't know what else to do. And they feel like. I've spent so much time and money. What a waste. I don't feel that way. I think every experience is worth has value, but, but to stay in a job you hate, that's, that's horrible. It's a horrible feeling. Agreed. Yeah. Are you trying to leave dentistry or you're trying to find another form of dentistry to do when you like, I'm done with it. Well, you you're wife, still you're in dentistry. Yeah. yeah but were you trying to like sort be of. like an accountant or like do anything else? I was considering everything was on the table. Everything on the table. I, okay. I stepped back and I put everything on the table. What else I, did I, you consider? Well, I did try to think what what could I use my skills as a dentist to 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 sort of build on. And I right. and I thought about law. You, know? you did. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did. I thought about being an attorney. Uh, just just because there's there's skills that could be used in the healthcare dental field. Uh, with law, with you could, an attorney. You could sue dentists for malpractice. I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> I could defend dentists. Yeah, yeah thank you, yeah. someone. What about like going back to be a lab tech or owning a dental laboratory? Uh, you know what? I, I don't. I'm not sure I ever considered that. Okay. I, I looked at. I really enjoyed being a dental laboratory technician. I got to tell you, with the way that technology has changed, I am so glad that I'm out of that field. Yeah. Why, why is that? Well, because you can buy a 3D milling machine and do yeah. it in your office. You know, waxing waxing crowns. I mean, I could wax a great crown to this day yeah. and cast it. But what's the point? Nobody's you know, doing you, it. You can mill it. Scan it. Scan yeah. it, mill it. So I, I think that that field is a really tough field that's that's changed. And I guess I never really considered that because I I very much felt that dental laboratory technology, like, like many fields, it's a food chain. And as a dental lab technician, you're at the bottom of that food chain. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, or to some extent, it's it's just the way it is. And, you know, yeah. uh, the lab that I worked at, my boss made a really nice, fine career out of it. And so that's it's not 
it's not necessarily a negative. It's a job that needs to be done. And back, particularly in the day, a good skill set to be able to provide that for the dentist and patients is, is great. But it is a food chain, nonetheless. Yeah. You get sort of the, the leftovers uh, uh, with fees and things that come down. So I decided uh, I needed to move up the food chain. I saw my older brother could do it. And I'm like, well, he's smarter than me, but he's not that much smarter than me. <laughs> so if he can do it, I can do it. And I, uh, I took the steps, and fortunately, it worked out. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever think about what job you'd do if money wasn't part of it? I'd just be like a TikTok influencer. But you had to work. Like, would you really? I'd dance on TikTok and make a million dollars a year. <laughs> Your kids are on TikTok, or they watch like. Oh yeah, I have a patient that that's Some her job. Some people make serious money. Yeah, I have a patient that's her full time job. Yeah. Like a TikTok thing makes yeah. more money than me. She's oh, like twenty, pro- probably. Yeah. What no am I doing? Doubt. She makes thousands of dollars a day. But I'm doing the yeah. Lord's work on teeth. So you found Brent. <laughs> you partnered up. Uh, we try to get this from Brent, but like when you buy a dental practice, it's like sixty to eighty percent of collections. How does that formula work for buying a oral pathology practice? Uh, you know, it's all written very clearly in my contract. I can, I can, I can <laughs> which, answer that. Yeah, a- answer it. Yeah, it's like a specialty clinic yeah. because there are no patients of record. Well, they so, had 9,000 charts, you said, when you bought it. Yeah, but they're not, they're referring, you're buying the referrals more, right? Because it, yeah, we are, we are, we are buying goodwill. Yeah, they're buying goodwill. So like a, you know, an oral surgery practice, for example, there are no patients. Yeah. You're, you're buying the operations of the business, the assets. And the goodwill. That's it. Here's the thing about assets, though. We don't have any assets either. We own a single microscope, which is probably valued at, I don't know, $4,000 or $5,000. That, that's it. Yeah. We don't own anything. So it's all goodwill. So it's all goodwill. Yeah. And, and, and about the only way that can really take place, well, let me make the statement and there's a caveat to this, but I was, I was going to say about the only way this can really take place is an overlap like what Brent, Brent did with Dr. Wesley. Mm-hmm. You know, Brent came up and joined him, and they overlapped for a number of years before Richard ultimately retired. And what I've done with Brent now, because I came in, and uh, so Brent's been you know, there roughly a decade. I've I'm coming up on what four years this year uh, that I've been there, and I finally know the people, and I know the docs, and they feel comfortable calling and talking to me. Yeah. And that sort of stuff builds that 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 confidence. The, you buy the goodwill, you you sort of build and earn the confidence. It's, okay. a, it's a transition. He probably paid half of the. Yearly yeah, roughly, roughly 40, 50% of the yearly collections. That'd be my guess. That, that was the, I forget the exact number, but that was the calculation because yeah. you, you have to, you have to set some, right. you have to set some flag and base yeah. it off of that. And so it was annual income. Yeah. 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 Now we have just started, we got, got contacted by a dermatology group that does digital pathology. Um, and they contacted us, some of our oral pathology colleagues out on the West coast, uh, were retiring and they needed somebody to come in and do the work for them. So it was a so it was an oral pathology lab that was in conjunction with this derm path lab. And the derm path lab wanted to buy the oral pathology practice and basically contract us out as in, as independent oh. contractors. And so we're also functioning as independent contractors with with them as well too. That's you are a, for another lab. Yeah, that's okay. a little bit of a different setting. And and I want to just come back to this because in that in, in, in that case, you know, there's not this long overlap period of time. The Dermpath Lab bought the oral pathology lab. Were independent contractors with them to do their oral pathology work, and that's just started recently. And, and, and I say this: I mean, Brent and I are are diligent in our job. We take good care of people. I have every expectation we're going to be able to maintain that practice, and and I would expect build that practice because we're we're 
we're good at what we do and we take care of patients. But I've yet to be seen exactly whether or not we're going to be able to do that or not. Um, uh, um, as you guys know, as you know, in business transaction or practice transitions, some patients are going to take that opportunity to go find a new doc for whatever reason. It's closer yeah. to home. It's, you know, whatever that might be. Um, we might find that some of the contributors, long-term contributors to this particular oral pathology practice that that we didn't get to overlap with go someplace else. We'll have to see. I just don't know how that's going to play out. So what city is this other oral pathology clinic in? East Coast? It, uh, West Coast. West Coast. If, West I said, okay. if, if I said East Coast, I'm sorry. I might have just heard East Coast. Yeah. I think I said West Coast. Okay. Yeah. Where's the so, derm lab that bought the oral pathology? Portland. So interestingly, this Dermpath Lab has a footprint in uh, in the Northwest region. So okay. Oregon, okay. primarily. So Brent and I got Oregon licenses and Michigan. And so when they were looking for somebody to place to replace um, Dr. Cradville and Dr. Kleininger, who were the oral pathologists that were there and retiring, we were we we were I I, I think the first they contacted, unless they contacted somebody else and were turned down. But 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 it just made sense because Brent and I are are in Michigan. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we're a private lab in Michigan. We could easily uh, join them, and so it's been it's been great. You know, it's a digital pathology platform, which is a fundamental change to our world. We don't have to have a microscope to do our job. We log into their server on our computers. Uh, we review the slides digitally. We sign out the reports here while the material sits back in, in Oregon. So it is a it is an absolute fundamental change to uh, the field of pathology. And you can be remote, totally. You can be on a you beach. You can work from anywhere. I'm not saying I'm going to work on a beach, but I could work on a beach. Yeah. Which sounds nice. <laughs> or a cruise yeah. ship or whatever. Where's your clinic now? What city? Uh, Pontiac. Oh, it is Pontiac. Okay. Coast. Just up there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're in the hospital. Correct. That's as Brent said last time. Okay, you're yeah, in the hospital. Are. Yeah, it Would it be hard to work at home? Is it... Do you find it easier to go to an office to do your work than go home and separate it? Uh, it's a good question. Okay. We, we haven't done that much of it yet. There's some things that are really nice about being at home. Uh, so you go into the office usually. Well, so we currently have to go to the office because that's where, you know, at St. At, at Joe's, the, the lab processes our tissue. Okay. We've got microscopes there. We've got an office there. We've got access to the electronic health record or the laboratory information system there. Mm -hmm. And so we have to go there to do the job. This digital platform now, I should say, however, changes everything. Yeah. And we can, and we do sit at home. I signed out some cases this morning before I came in, logged in, looked at a couple of consult cases, signed out a couple of cases and, uh, and, and came in here. And I think it's really nice. There's a lot that I like about it. I have to be cautious though, for myself personally to set boundaries because I will blur those work boundaries with personal time. There's mm -hmm. no doubt about it. That's how I am, I know. And so I'm aware of that. Like you'll work too much. I fear that I will always be on. 10, 10 p.m., you're watching a movie, case comes in, let me look at it real quick, then I'll send it out, then we'll finish the movie. Potentially. Yeah. I just have to be aware of that for myself and set boundaries. Yeah. Um, I mean, which, I, I do the same thing with email. My wife's an attorney. She does the same thing with emails. We'll say one quick email, then we'll get back to the movie. Yeah. It's hard to delineate. I work around the clock, but I, I'm used to it now because I take a lot of breaks. I love it. Um, but someone calls at 830 at night. I usually, I take that call. You know, it's, that's when they're, or they get off of work at six. I get a lot of calls around 530. People get six. off work. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, you know, they're calling because they want to sell their practice. Then I'm probably going to do most of my meetings with them around 530, you know, yeah. and 
You well, do get used to it. It's it's it, in that setting. It's 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 customer service. It's taking care yeah, of your clients. Yeah, and of course. so you know, Brent and I do that as well too. If somebody calls us, you know, has a question after hours. I mean, we you'll we, take the call. We answer the phone. We answer yeah. the question, and 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 so that's certainly the case. What I worry about is not having that fix. Somebody not reaching out to me saying it needs to be done now. Yeah, and yet I still know that it's there and have a hard time not it's going just sitting and there. addressing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's a personal character flaw that other people wouldn't have. Well, it's something with. that you could, you could work on probably. I, so. I mean, I, I could do the same, you know, I, I called someone the other day and they had a great voicemail that I was going to copy and it's, it was a realtor actually. And it said, um, if it is after 8 PM, I will call you back the next business day or 7 PM or whatever she had. But but I really liked it because I was like, okay, this is like, you know, very clearly drawing a, a, a boundary or a line saying, you know, I, I see that you're calling. I'm not calling you till tomorrow because I'll call you at 10 o'clock. I mean. Right. And it explicitly tells them because anybody can wait 12 hours. Yeah. But if you don't know how it's long you're emergency. waiting, it's, 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 it's the challenge. As long but as you, you tell, tell them. them. When yeah. When you're yeah. Play. Like my office, you could say my office hours are 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. or, you know, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Um, if you've reached me after those hours, I'll get back to you the next business day. Something like that. So who's calling you at 8 p.m.? Is it like an oral surgeon? Like, I need you to look at the slide real quick? Yeah, it doesn't happen. All. Well, uh, no, more more so to talk through a report or to talk through a case. And we don't get many calls at 8 p.m. But, okay. but you know, this is going to change with, with, with the time zone change. It, yeah. it, it, it's one of the things that Brent and I have to come to terms with, exactly what this is going to look like and, and, and how we take call because... It's a Obviously, hour. four o'clock third time, seven o'clock hard time. Yeah. So it's oh it's, yeah, it's okay. dinner, watch movies, or you know, uh, this is so new that we're that we're working through this. We don't yeah. exactly know what all of this looks like, uh, but it'll work out, and it's and it's and it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. So is that a you guys are contractors now for this other oral path or dental path group? Yep. Did you and Brent create a different business entity? You're both paid through, or do you pay through your oral pathology practice as contractors? We did it through the oral pathology you did. practice okay. as, as, as contractors, yeah. So that you're gonna, you pay yourself W-2. We're also a business podcast. Uh, so you pay yourself W-2. <laughs> this is the business portion. You get 1099 <laughs> from them, and then you get yeah. distributions. Yeah. So three, okay. Yeah. Do you I need mean, to hire more people? More pathologists? Uh, uh, so this fundamentally changes. Yeah, I mean, digital pathology, it, it just changes our field so much because yeah. is especially, and this is where I think it's exciting for somebody, there's not a lot of oral pathology jobs out there that are outside of dental schools. Most oral pathologists are in dental schools as, as, as educators, which is great. And a lot of those also have biopsy services. So you're an educator during the day and then you get some cases and you look mm-hmm. at them. But- they're not. They're run like dental faculty practices, and as dental schools are run, they're not run like an oral pathology biopsy service should be run. And as a result, uh, we, as an oral pathology community, I'm trying to couch my words and be careful with this, have not done a real good job of marketing us as a business. We provide a very important healthcare service, a very niche service that mm-hmm. we haven't done a good job of getting that message. We out. talked to Brent, uh, yeah, Brent Accurso about that, about marketing, because he said the same thing. You know, there's you don't do a lot of marketing. Um, 
Well, this is a perfect segue into the product you created. That's, that's yeah. part marketing too. Yeah. It tell, is, yeah. tell us about this product. Yeah. Well, so about 2019 when I came on board, I had thought a while back about Actually, I, I should step back. There's a gap in, in education, inpatient education, because what we know takes place, and back as a resident, I realized this. We'll sign out a pathology report. It'll go to a dentist, a neurosurgeon, a periodontist, endodontist, whoever it is. They will get that report. They will say something to the patient, which we're unsure of what the message is that's relayed to a patient. Yeah. But we know that down the road, because we get feedback about things, and that message didn't make it to the patient. We don't know why. Maybe the doc wasn't good at explaining it. Maybe the patient was so nervous and scared with what the message they were being told they didn't hear. And so there was this gap. We know that that exists. And so I thought, you know, know, why? We're trained as oral pathologists, and we're comfortable communicating to docs and communicating to patients. And so why don't we just skip the middleman and find a way to reach out to the patients and educate them? So starting about 2019, Brent and I looked into this. Uh, we we tried to get patent protection on it, which didn't work. I, I have a patent for a different different device, but we tried to get patent protection on it. It didn't work out. And we decided to just take the leap. We did the field of dreams approach, you know, build it and they will come. And so what we built with this peasant patient education platform, which is designed to fill that gap. And so uh, the theory behind this is, you know, docs get a diagnosis of a fibroma or a squamous papilloma or alveolar ridge keratosis or periapical cystic granuloma or, you know, fill in the blank that they can take that. They can uh, enter a little bit of patient information into this web app that we've developed and they can send them a video so they can watch it at home. Um, if they prefer to have the patients in, they can put it on their their iPad and give it to the patient, have them watch it in the chair. I mean, there's all sorts of different ways that this can be utilized. But what this affords the patient is the opportunity to see consistent messaging, the opportunity for them to view it as often as they want, the opportunity for them to go see it with their parents or sons and daughters or whoever it is in case they're uncomfortable, don't understand what it means, to to develop good quality questions if they want to reach back out and talk about a particular diagnosis. Uh, and you know, we, we were about 12 months to 18 months too late. Cause if we had done this during COVID, everybody across the country would have signed up for it. We believe, uh, because nobody wanted the patients to come back for results and patients didn't want to come back. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, COVID was, COVID shut things down. And, but, but even, even now the, the downstream effect of that is that, and this is, this was reported in the literature prior to us doing this project. And that is. Patients don't want to take a half a day off work, drive across the city, sit in your waiting room to walk in and sit down and have the doc walk in and say, hey, good news, Miss Jones. This is no big deal. Right. You know, they don't want mm-hmm. that. So if they don't have to come back in, this affords patients the opportunity of not even having to come back to the office. And so for a pretty nominal fee, uh, I sort of look at this as an, an, a, an additional employee to the office. We also know staffing is a problem currently with many places. I mean, this is, this is an opportunity to take that patient education piece off of the staff, at least to some extent, and off to the doc if the patient's comfortable with the results and just send it to their house. They can watch it at their convenience. So what do you charge for that? It's about 50 bucks a month. Okay. Oh, it's a subscription. And who's your main it's a subscription service, yeah. client? Okay. Oral surgeons are your main clients? Uh, oral surgeons would be the main clients. Of okay. course, we're selling a product, so we think everybody Any, should sign up for it. Client, and, yeah. and, and here's the reason why. You know, We've got things like ge- geographic tongue. I mean, geographic tongue doesn't need to be biopsied necessarily for comfortable making a clinical diagnosis. But if we sat in the rooms of dentists, and you and I talked about this earlier, 
Dentists are worried about implants and binding agents and SEREC and milling machines, and we understand that. It's, it's part of the reason why this exists. We understand that their focus is not pathology. It's what right. we do. Uh, it's our focus. And and I, But I would love to sit, be a fly on the wall of a lot of offices where a doc is trying to explain geographic tongue to a patient. I have no doubt some do an excellent job. But I also would guess there's probably some doctors are saying your geographic tongue's cause of caused by yeast and caused by all these other things because mm-hmm. we hear this and, and uh, of course it's not it's an immune mediated process an autoimmune process but but that's ex- that's precisely what this is for consistent accurate messaging high quality 3D imaging and the platform also records a view history so offices can document that that the patients have viewed it and I think this is important for this reason. I said that we know that messaging does not always occur to patients uh, how it should, and and we know this because of one big primary reason. Patients show up with cancer, and they get the biopsy, they get the cancer diagnosis, and they'll say things like, well, I had a biopsy five years ago, and doc told me it was nothing to worry about. What we don't know is what the patient was actually told or what the patient heard right. or maybe even what the diagnosis was. Maybe at the time it was a completely benign diagnosis, right? I mean, that's entirely possible. But this sort of history then documents and records, and I would argue from a medical legal standpoint, if a patient watches a dysplasia video that very clearly describes this being as a precancerous process, and five years down the road they've neglected care, but they've got cancer, they can't come back and say, you know, I didn't know because nobody told me if there's a view history of them watching the video. So we actually think there's some pretty strong medical legal uh, benefits. Or they do like a DocuSign or something, right? Is that... Well, how you do it? It's so the web app is built with that very little patient information is entered, but we basically have an email address, a phone number for the patient or a for birth the doctor? date uh, for the patient. So okay. the doc has a profile to log in, and okay. then and then you enter, and and so the doc's information is in. So docs have a profile, absolutely. Like so, you I, can put, I have a question. Yeah. Why why not eliminate the doctor from from the return information? Like if you okay, for example. I'm just always thinking business, you know, it's like if I'm a, if I'm a dentist who rarely does a biopsy, but I need one. So I fill out the, the form, you know, online or whatever, and then check a box, you know, send to my patient their results electronically, you know, charge me 10 bucks or whatever for, for one time. And then you can just skip the doctor altogether and go straight to the patient. Would you do that? Or is that too much liability for you? Skip meaning that we mail them the video directly? Yeah, to the patient. Uh, Or would you always go back through the doctor? Because what if the doctor doesn't give it to him? um, Then what? Well, uh, send them the video you mean or give them the results, the pathology results? Yeah, send them the video. Well, then why is he paying for the video? Yeah, I mean, th- well, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. Some yeah. Who is this people, guy? <laughs> some people sign up for a subscription, hey, and then as they long don't as they're paying us for the subscription, <laughs> I don't care, care if they use right. it. Right. <laughs> but are you liable for that at that point, or? Well, uh, no, uh, no, and maybe there's a reason why because it's whether the doc chooses to use it or not. Okay. You know, whether the doc sends in the video is it's That's an, up to them. It's an adjunct to the pathology report. So our diagnosis is completely separate. So this is this is a separate business. You know, patients path. Yeah. Dot com is a separate business from oral pathology consultants. And so what we would like to see is every pathology service, every oral pathology service across the country. And, and we actually have plans of extending this into derm pathology and everything else. I mean, we think that this is an educational platform mm-hmm. across the spectrum of healthcare. Can a patient log in themselves or do they At have to time, go no. through? Now, okay. And that's because 
it might end up there. We we, yeah. we we think that this should come from a doc so that patients have okay. the opportunity to speak to their healthcare provider, not okay. just get some random video, um, not being able to have a, a context for it. So uh, we think it's best delivered under the guidance okay. of a doc. Okay. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. You, you need this information delivered by somebody who can somewhat explain the video to them as well. Yeah. And, like a guiding hand. And even if they can't, even if they're like, yeah, uh, the, you know, one of the things I always say, I, I think, you know, something like oral hairy leukoplakia, the EBV driven thing that occurs in immune mediated, uh, I'm sorry, it, immune compromised folks generally, you know, within their mouth. I mean, uh, nobody would know how to, uh, very few people I should say would know how to explain that to a patient yeah. and, and understandably so it's not that that's not that common we don't we we encounter it a couple times a year it's not so in that setting you know what patients are being told and even if they had further questions a doc would probably have to find some other resource to send them to because they're just not comfortable talking about it we don't want something like that with patients having direct access to it they could they could purchase any video that they wanted if that was the case lord knows what they actually have or told that they right. would have versus what video they buy to view and how confusing that might be. So they're not like logging into their own portal, you know, anything like that. They are only able to view the videos that the doc sends, sends to them. them. Okay. And those videos should only be sent to them, we feel, outside of some very clear clinical settings, they should only be sent to them based on their histopathology results. No, right. is this if you had a biopsy, you have a result, there's a video that correlates with that histologic diagnosis, that's what the video views. That's the goal that we have okay. in mind. Is the email sent from the doctor to the patient had to be a HIPAA compliant, like closed system? Because like, if I have like herpes, yeah. and you tell me I have herpes, that has to be like a closed chain so nobody else reads that email. So the email link that they get in their email has their birth date and their phone number. Okay. So you have to have, so we figure between having an, a specific email address, a specific phone number, a specific birth date, that those are pretty three distinct uh, um, um, criteria to be able to enter to access the result. Not, not that's dissimilar to an, to an app that you sign into to get your results through your medical right. portal, sure. your my patient portal. Okay. Well, that's now, good for privacy. They're not like the guy with herpes is here. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> Right. And then, and then once it's in there, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the same encryption to, okay. to be able to get to th those, uh, um, well, actually I, I, t I take that back. Any information that's stored through the web app itself has the same encryption. It's stored on servers. It has the same encryption as any commercial marketplace. The video link isn't the video links comes from Vimeo. Okay. You can only get to that link. If the doc who has an encrypted system assigns that information to you as a as a patient and, and from the doc side we give the opportunity to put a, a, a photo of the doctor and the the doctor office logo so you brand it so it, it's branded from yeah. them this is again i just want to reiterate this is not coming from brent decurso and brent martin mm -hmm. at oral pathology consultants this is patient's path coming from you as the doc that signs up to it it is your brand it is your product we're just loaning that video out for you to use okay essentially who created these videos so we did it in conjunction, and it's been a it has been a ton of work building a web app. Has oh been yeah, a ton of work. Let me ask you, okay, I started to stop. But let me ask you this question. Don't tell me the exact amounts. The amount of money you thought it was going to cost you to start this business compared to what it did cost you and Brent. Were you close? Uh, in money, yes. You in time, no. It took okay. a lot more time, and it's it's a significant investment. I can imagine. I will say that, and it's, it's probably evolving all the time. I would imagine anything, you know, technical. It is. Uh, yeah, we, 
it's it's evolving, and it's been a it, it's been very uh, enlightening as to what it takes to do something like this. Uh, we are we struggle with creativity because that's not what we do. We're like very very practical, problem focused. Read a book, find an answer, do something. So creativity is a problem for us, mm-hmm. uh, and so doing those sorts of things, having the vision to know what a web app should look like when you're building something that, as far as I'm aware, there's nothing exactly like it out there. Uh, it's been tough. It's been fun. I do like to consider myself an innovator in a lot of ways. Um, a, actually, that makes me sound like it's more qualified than a dreamer. Okay. You know, I have a dream. I'd like to see it come to fruition if yeah. all possible. So I enjoy that sort of stuff. But it's been it's been costly. How much longer did it take than you thought? Uh, eight months, 12 months. Oh, that's not too bad. That's, that's not, not like you're no. seven years in. And- Are you seeing a return? And the investment after access to your guys, 3000 subscribers on you. We hope that it does. No, I hope I so. Mean, Good answer. An emotional just, return. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we just have a product that's been available here very recently. Just, just a product that's, that's hit the marketplace. Yeah. When did it we launch? have been, uh, October, November. I mean, just, Oh wow. Like a yeah, month I mean, ago. yeah. I mean, it just, Congratulations. This is, Oh yeah. That's, oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. This is baby. the, yeah, this is the, you guys represent the second sort of public forum that we have with. Oh God, uh, we're going to disappoint uh, with doc. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. But, but I mean, this is the second time that we've talked about it. In okay. A, this in is going to take it to setting. the next level. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're hoping. But for. I think once, once people learn about it, it's, I like that you're branding it because it's, it's adding value to their business, to the doctor. Right. I mean, it's absolutely. Do, do you remember when Patterson did something Sort of similar. Like they had one for procedures. Do oh, you yeah. remember that? Oh, yeah. Uh, Casey. Yeah. The Casey system um, where the patient would... Did you have this? I did not. They'd no. sit in the chair and you'd say, okay, you know, we're doing a root canal today. You'd walk away. You'd roll a video. It was branded for you and it was like this, you know, kind of graphics and it would take them through the whole process in about a minute and a half. And then you'd come in. Any questions before we start? You know, that kind of thing. Okay. So it was very streamlined. Um Everyone got the same information. You didn't have to repeat yourself. And it was a time saver. That's kind of how I feel about this. Yeah. And it's been modeled a little bit after that. I mean, we know that on the front end, lots of people are doing this. Here's what an implant is. Here's why you need an implant. Here's the informed consent. Watch this video about informed consent for third molar surgery. There's all this stuff on the front end. But on the back end, patients flounder. It's like, oh, yeah. And again, I'm not saying that there's not good oral surgeons, good dentists that give patients great information. There are, but once you but say what it the patient, hundreds of times, it's like yeah, it gets I mean, abbreviated. Yeah, it's fatiguing. You're tired. It's the end of the day. You're running behind schedule. How much right. time are they going to devote? Uh, um, in certain situations, and then and then secondly, even if they do a great job, what does the patient take away to go yeah. home when their daughter asks, "So, mom, what was it that you had?" Like one sentence. Oh, I don't know, but the doc told me it was nothing to worry. And they're about. all stressed out. Yeah, so. And, and, and this, this closes that because mom and daughter can sit down and they can watch it together and they yeah. can watch it 36 times if they want to watch it 36 times together. And it, it is a, it, we believe it's a gap in healthcare that has existed. It continues to exist. It exists all across the spectrum of healthcare. And we're doing a little part now to close it. And we want to see this extended, not just to, to oral pathology, but you know, derms the next logical step. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we have some plans to move that direction. So hopefully we can see that. Well, I love this because right now the back end is being filled by WebMD. So you go to your doctor or oral pathologist and they say, you have this thing. 
you scribble it down, you go to WebMD, and then WebMD says like you have three minutes to live. And that's all people had to look, look up their disease. But what that's you true. have is like you're controlling the way they hear about their disease in a fashion that's like guiding them and informing them of what they actually have. I think it's genius. Yeah, I well, love and, it. And, yeah. and, and you know, one of the most harmful things is, and and we, we don't have a, a video entitled leukoplakia because you know leukoplakia is a white patch done. White patch only. Right. White patch doesn't mean anything other than white patch. But that's the sort of thing that a doc will tell a patient that they and 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 maybe we should create a video about leukoplakia, dispelling the myths mm-hmm. and the mystery of leukoplakia. But docs will tell patients you got leukoplakia all the time, and they start googling this, and it scares the crap out of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because they get it sounds a, like leukemia, right. first of all. I mean, do you have like prognosis, like or like you had geographic tongue? It's benign. Or what? Yeah. what, what is, give me an example. Of what a video would tell me. Well, let's say Jessica had herpes. <laughs> herpes uh, one. Herpes one. That's the better we one. Can, Which one's the better? We one? can talk after the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we. Uh, it's, it's, so the videos do just that. It's an introduction. Here's the term you might hear. Here's the medical term. Here might be well, how it's commonly referred to as. It's Does it have a little cartoon graphic with it? Like, uh, it's actually you know, like it's actually you know pretty nice advanced three D digital modeling. Okay. And so it's not it's just a, you know it's not just a little scribble cartoon graphic. I mean it is nice three D. We we can zoom in and out of bone to show intraosseous things versus soft tissue. When when we're done, I'll send you guys. I'll, I'll pull out my computer. I'll interview you guys as patients. I'll send you videos. You okay. guys can watch them. Send oh, yeah. the herpes yeah. video. For yeah. sure. <laughs> so you have herpes. Yes. Yeah. I'll send it to my wife. She'll be excited. <laughs> but, yeah, but, that's, but that's what it's about. It's, it's, it, they're small. They're bite size. They're put in common terms, which is another problem yes. that dentists fall victim to. The curse of knowledge, which is a yeah. phrase that God. I didn't, which is a phrase that I didn't invent. You guys might be familiar with that term. It's hard to translate. Term, it it is though. It's like you're you're translating. You're translating what you know and how to say it. You know, when you're talking to dentists, it's different than when you're talking to someone, yeah. uh, who has no knowledge of that. Speaking of translation, I mean, here I am just continually marketing the product, but we've also got. A number of it's in a number of different languages. We plan okay. on expanding that into. I mean, think about the folks that speak. You know, you speak Spanish, you speak Portuguese, you speak Arabic, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and you biopsy a patient. That communication. I mean, that now think about how much that complicates it. Well, I mean, imagine turning on the subtitles and sending oh, yeah. this to a patient where they can watch it in their native language. Um, we're in the process of doing that as well too. I and mean, we've got up up to twelve languages for some of these videos and and continue to move forward with that as well. Too. So are you so finding it really these- is it the goal really is uh to close a gap, make it easy on the docs and service the mm-hmm. patients. I mean, that is the goal in this. Are you finding voice actors for this? How does that work? <laughs> the guy that makes the videos, he does a great job. He's got a good voice. He just does a voiceover as well, too. He He's knows like, more than one language. Or is it subtitled or like he knows more oh, than one it's, language? No, no, I'm sorry. It's subtitled. It's okay. not voiceovers. It's subtitled. We, Can you do different accents? We might get there. <laughs> we might get there one day for different. Uh, but as, yeah. a, as of now, it's just it's just subtitles. Yeah. But, yeah. Different. You know, you can put your um your GPS in your car in a different <laughs> accent. Did you know that? I did not know that. You can have like like an Australian accent, English. English. It's pretty funny. How but... many videos are on there? Like how many diseases? Uh, well, we currently have about twenty videos. Each video takes it's a it's a lot of effort. The web app was a lot of effort. Each video is a lot of effort because we're taking somebody who doesn't know anything about oral pathology and yeah. we're trying to ask them to make a a 3D video accurate. So it's a lot of back and forth, uh, very much time consuming. But that's good because they're putting it into terms that the person Correct. who doesn't know what that is can well, understand. And that's exactly right. Because he yeah. will occasionally say to us, and we've said, Steve, 
Like if if you don't understand what we're saying, tell and, us because yeah. we need to then rework this. And so he does it. He's like, you know what, guys, I got to tell you, this just doesn't this just doesn't uh, right. make sense. But as far as number of videos, I think we have like nineteen or twenty that covers up to or nearly thirty different conditions. Wow! So like you take you take the gingival bumps, the you know, most pi- common pyogenic granuloma, peripheral fibroma, peripheral giant cell granuloma. Those are all en- encompassed in one video because. Okay. Because the clinical presentation and management, by and large, is the same for all of them. Mm-hmm. But but for the individ, for the individual patient that gets a peripheral ossifying fibroma, you know, it, that's clearly a different entity than pyogenic granuloma. So we have to have to sort of cover them, which we do a bit independently. Okay, I don't know what any of that means, but I believe yeah. you. <laughs> I imagine you and have you seen the TV show Mad Men? Yeah, I mentioned you and Brent like smoking cigarettes. Like, I right? never we, saw that show. It's good. You haven't seen a few good men. I haven't seen Mad Men. So how did you find the Steve guy? Like like an Indeed ad, like make some oral pathology videos. I found a guy that we thought uh, to build the web app. Very good guy in Springfield, Missouri, which is where my wife went to college, and we're from Missouri. So I found him, and when I was driving up to uh, when I was driving up to 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 move up here, I stopped and talked to him, and so he was a. He was a great guy, and we we ended up not using him for his web app developing uh, for a number of reasons. But he turned me on to this guy that does three D video video technology, and so uh, uh, it was a communication through him. And we've just found uh, his name is Steve Burnich. I'll just put his name out there. If you need videos, education stuff, whatever learner videos, he actually did a video on. And how, he did the and app. as far as how to navigate our our website. Um, did he no, make the app or he did he made the videos? Yeah, okay. we have a web designer. So we have we have two different companies that we hired to get us to the you know to get us to the endpoint with those. Okay. One is a web app developer that built the web app, and the other is uh, is the guy who uh, builds the three D videos. Okay. And how'd you find the web app developer? Friend again, a friend, a friend of a friend, okay. and they're both yeah. named Steve, or Steve's. Uh, no, actually, they're, <laughs> actually they're both. So the guy that owns the web app company's name Steve. The guy that that uh, does the primary web app build is named Bob. The guy that the other guy that built the web app that I said we didn't use him. His name was Bob. The guy okay. that makes the video, is Steve. We got two Brents in the mix. Well, you have two Steves, so, two Brents, and yeah, two, two Bobs. Steve's, two Bobs, yeah. two Brents. Yeah. So it's uh, you do business only with people. Like you need one more name in the business. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Change your name to Vince. Okay. There you go. Vince, Sorry, Vincenza. Go. Vincenza. Right. My, my daughter's Vincenza. Yeah. Vincenza. Yeah. Is that how you say it? You know my daughter's name? Yeah. We're friends for like 10 I, years I now. was, I, I think I thought her name was Vincenza. No. Vincenza. I have four daughters. <laughs> I'm not Italian. Oh, good for you. So, <laughs> hands full. What, yeah. What's the next step for this then? Is it more videos, more marketing? Well, the marketing piece is important. You know, yeah. We've been so focused on trying to build this thing. Okay. That the marketing piece has gone, well, it just hasn't been addressed the way it should be addressed. And we do, if we don't know, we don't know how to market it is, okay. is the problem. I mean, we certainly know marketing routes, but you know, there's cost, there's, there's, uh, there's exposure. There's all these challenges that exist that we're trying to navigate. You know, we navigated how to build a web app. We've navigated mm-hmm. how to build these videos and we've got a good product. Now we have to navigate the marketing piece and we continue to work, brainstorm, reach out to folks. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to happen, but we don't know what that looks like. Okay. In the meantime, we keep plugging away at, at making videos. I mean, our, our, our plan is to have a very robust educational series. Um, again, ultimately the goal across all of healthcare is what we would like to see happen yeah. uh, mm-hmm. with Durham being the next logical step for us. Uh, because we have similar practices and a lot of overlap between what we do and, uh, and, and, and we'll see where it goes. I, I don't know how long, you know, lots of good ideas. 
have never caught on and never made it to the end point. Yeah. I don't know exactly what the end point is for how long we push with this before we you know, throw up our hands, but uh, we're hopeful it doesn't come to that. I mean, we think there's a place. We think there's the market. We just have to find out how to get there. Are you calling your oral surgery clients and saying, by the way, we also have this product? We haven't found out how to do that yet. Telephone? Well, <laughs> that's good. That's, that's good. Uh, you know, uh, uh, whether it's shotgun email, whether it's, there's a little bit, we're a little bit concerned and want to delicately leverage our personal relationships into this other product. Sure. Okay. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how that would be received across the board. I mean, we've got great relationships with them, but we just don't want anybody to feel pressured that they need to now buy a separate service that we offer. Right. Um, I don't so think I don't they would. Though. Do you do any um, CE classes, any lectures? Yeah, and there are 40X things of CE. Oh, I mean, do you well, provide it, CE yeah. classes yeah, for we, dentists, uh, dermatologists, things like that? We do. We just had a big course through a company called CE Zoom. We've done several for them. I don't know if you guys are familiar with CE Zoom, mm -hmm. but they do a lot of dental education. We've done a number okay. of series for them. We just got done doing a four-part series and, uh, you know, we've ones that are hosted by, uh, uh, one hosted by Procter and Gamble, there were like 5,000 attendees. Okay. This most recent one we did, there were about, I don't know, 700 folks that were on there and, and uh, lots of hygienists, some, some docs built in. Um, are you marketing this to we them? We did. Yeah. We marketed it through, through that. And I can tell you, uh, what I realized from that is that Brent and I are not, uh, we're not marketers because the messaging that we thought we were getting across didn't seem to translate yeah. into, so you need to hire into a, a response. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's a gap, you, you know, we, we, we built it for a healthcare and a dental gap. We, mm -hmm. we have a gap personally with this product and the gap is we got a really good product. Uh, we got to figure out how to leap that, that marketing hurdle. And I don't yet know how we do it. We haven't figured it out, but, uh, but we will, we, we really just now, again, we had to get a product built. We had mm -hmm. to get the doors opened to it, which we just recently did. And now we're into the phase of figuring out how to get that. How to let out. people know it exists. And so it's going to happen. And, and this is part of the way we do it. The CE Zoom big course that we did was part of the way of doing it. We think hearing this things repetitiously is a way to do it. Really, I think what we have to do is go to some meetings. Yeah. We need to go to Amos. We need to go to perio meetings, endo meetings, and we need to set up a booth and say, let me show you how this is going to help your practice. Let me show how this is going to save your staff time. Let me show this how, save most importantly, money. save you as the doc time of talking to patients because docs don't make money talking to patients about their fibromas or squamous papillomas. They make money sinking implants, taking out thirds, doing those things. And that's what this affords docs the ability to do. That's, yeah. that's the message you need to get it's across. Yeah. That, that's their language. Yeah. yeah. Cause yeah. everything's like reducing overhead, yeah. increasing. Yeah. I mean, well, I, every time someone comes into your office, what does it cost? I mean, just for a patient to walk in and sit down in a chair, whether you touch them or not, yep. I think it costs like $70. So I was right? going to ask you if you knew that number because 70. I, because, because yeah. I, because I tried reaching out to several different places. Mm -hmm. Uh, wouldn't, would I, I, I couldn't even get a response for some of the big, like practice marketing folks. Like I mm -hmm. just asked a simple question, like, I'm not going to be a client of yours, but I'm just curious. Can you, nobody even responded, but really, yeah, but I mean, that's what I've always heard. So 70, you know, it yeah. used to be, I think, it was like 50, but the, the new number 
the latest one I heard is $70. I mean, I think the most expensive yeah. monthly recurring cost, like if you're a single doc, and of course, if you have more docs, the price goes down like anything else. But I think it's like 57 bucks a month or something like that. So if you do one biopsy a month and it saves you one chair time. Yeah, $70. I mean, it's... it's you're already ahead. And, and, and beyond that, you know, it's it, yep. this is meant to be priced at every single office. Even yep. if you, you know, if you're a general dentist that sends out a couple biopsies a month, but you know that the surgeon that you send it to doesn't subscribe to this service, man, what a value added benefit to be able to offer that to your patients. I feel like you could do a whole CE um, class just on, you know, efficiency in the office and, and that, because to, to that point, yeah, if it costs $70, I mean, I'm talking, you make the appointment, somebody is paid to do that. Right. You confirm it or your, your system does. They walk in, they wash their hands, you know, you put on a pair of gloves, you talk to them, like all these things cost money. Your assistant sits down with them. Um, and you can't have income generating procedures. No, when, when there's and a button they're the taking chair. up space right. from something that could be, you know, making you money. So all those things, I mean, one patient, that's, that's a no brainer. Yeah. I think it, everyone it, would subscribe to that. Don't and, you think? Oh yeah, for sure. And I'm going to call my oral surgeon after this. <laughs> and if it's, you know, and if it's epithelial dysplasia, I mean, let's, that, that patient probably needs to be in the office, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a face-to-face thing that needs to take place. Right. But if you, if, but if you took off a squamous papilloma or a fibroma or a mucosal and you threw in a resorbable suture, that patient does not need to come back. Yeah. Right. I mean, and a phone call, like my wife had a derm procedure recently, they called and said, it's benign. It's nothing to worry about. But I'm like, what is it? But, but, but what was it? Yeah. You know, like yeah. some patients want to know more yeah. information. This is the way of getting everything. I mean, we just really feel that this is appropriately placed to do everything that it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Save docs offices time, give patients information, and in the end, uh, um, close that gap. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah. This has been really good. Awesome. So we're at actually like an hour 10. Wow. Um, the other Brent gave some contact information yeah. do you feel comfortable giving some information on people that yeah. can contact you absolutely yeah. so whatever you, your cell phone your email your social security number yeah whatever you feel comfortable shoe giving, size, <laughs> shoe yeah. size. Well, no way <laughs> i've gone too far <laughs> uh yeah uh, my my our office number uh, for oral pathology consultants is 248-858-6463 that's our direct office line uh, my cell phone number, 618. Uh, were you serious about cell phone? Yeah, like, everyone. I mean, I, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I text I mean, Brent got, like once a month, actually. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you guys, right. If, 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 you, if you're a doc out there and you've got a question, I mean, this is, this is what we do. This is why we're here. My, my cell is 618-401-3727. Um, our office email address is mail at oraldx.com. And then our, our pathology, uh, the patient's path website is patientspath.com. And, uh, there's a spot on there. I actually, uh, I think it's contact at patientspath.com. If you've got a question about it, this is new enough that honestly, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm certain, I'm certain it's contact at patientspath.com, but from the website, you can, you can, you can find that. Fill that, out a contact. That yeah. email address okay. and you can reach out to us. So um, go to patientspath.com. At least check it out. Cause that, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. At least check it out. We have to start somewhere. And, and we always ask one more question. Yeah. Can we have you back on? I'd love to come back. This, yeah. has been, this has been a lot of fun, actually. That's great. Yeah. We kind of got off on like a different um, tangent than I thought, and it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. I was like so enthralled with your story. I was like, well, what happened next? What doors closed? So we can't thank you enough for coming on. Oh, I really appreciate you guys having me on and, and the opportunity to talk about this. Great. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Thank Anything you. else? 
No, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Well, there you have it. Another great episode of Two Faced, the podcast, the other side of dentistry. Please follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to our YouTube channel for more content. And if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, please reach out to us on Instagram at toothfacedpodcast or email us at toothfacedpodcast at gmail.com.